Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Elena Battles. Elena has been working for animals since 1999, the year she found Trini, the Wonder Beagle. Her shelter and rescue work has taken her from rescue volunteer and adoptions manager in Texas to shelter manager in Florida to chief operating officer of Humane Society Silicon Valley in California. She received her MBA from Stanford Graduate School of Business in 2004. Now she works at Shelter Love, which allows her to provide the technology she wishes she had access to when she was working in shelter operations. She especially loves the opportunity to be a no-nonsense source of advice for her colleagues. Today, she lives with her two-legged family and Nora, the cattle dog shepherd, who is the most well-mannered and best-looking of the group. Elena, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Stacey. It's great to be here. So you gave us a little bit of background in your bio here, but what was it that really tipped you to work with animals and to really be passionate and focus your career around animals? Gosh, it really was Trini. <laughs> you know, I found a stray dog and she changed everything for me. It's I'm sure that's something that a lot of your listeners have experienced as well and how many of us got into animal welfare was one animal. I was a physical therapist at that time. I had been doing physical therapy for about eight years and came home from work and there was a stray dog in the parking lot of my apartment complex. And so I went through that process with her of trying to find her owner's taking her to the local animal services to make sure that if someone was looking for her, that they could find her and then learning that they didn't want her back and adopting her. As I went through that, I was reawakened to the problems of animal overpopulation at that time in the late 90s and what was happening in our shelters. And I thought, wow, I can really help here and I want to help. And that's what started the journey. I started volunteering to make sure that I really wanted to do the work. (laughs) And I did. I loved it more every day. I felt like being of service every day that I went in. And Trini was with me for 15 years after that, every step of the way. uh, She was pretty special. She was responsible for a lot of change in my life. I'm really grateful for that. So it sounds like you have a passion for animals, but you also have a passion for technology. Did you develop that passion when you were at Stanford getting your MBA? You know, I think my passion around technology comes from a Generation X person who is who's getting used to the way the world is changing so quickly, you know, not being a native to phones and apps and all these things and having been in a position in my work life to not have access to the data that I wanted and being not quite sure how to use it to drive my decisions. So that's really what's made me excited about the tools that are available to people today working in, in operations in animal welfare. Because that work is so complex. It's not just about taking care of animals, right? As many people think when they're thinking about sheltering and rescue. It's so many complex community issues that you're dealing with and complex medical issues with animals and all sorts of things. And the tools don't really have to be that complex. Uh, it's just the work that is. So now I'm, I'm excited to help people make the work easier, get out from behind the computer and, and be able to get in front of people and animals more. I'm going to wear the hat of an old school rescuer who has been, <laughs> I love it. who has had the system that has worked 
for years. Sure. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why would I want to change my system? I guess I'll give us a, a step up. There are some organizations that still do everything just with pen and paper, organizations as well as individuals. And then there's also the group that love Excel spreadsheets and just stay with those Excel spreadsheets or maybe go into Google Docs a little bit. But why should I take that next step? I will say that I agree with that question. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> because if it's something that truly works for the organization and for the folks that are doing the work, then don't change just because there are shiny new tools out there. However, what I've learned is that people do often start looking for something more and they are sort of feeling uncomfortable with the way that they are tracking things. And that's really what starts them on this journey of should I look for software? I like to give folks the chance to think of things in these three questions is sort of where to start because often we think about all the features that software has, but really when we're thinking about change or potentially making that change, it really starts with some questions about our own organization. Number one, asking what's the most important thing to us as an organization? That sounds obvious, but it's not always, right? So this is the, if it ain't broke part, are we at steady state? Are we fine? Or do we have the information that we need now to make decisions? Or is there more that we want to do, more that we wish we could do, or more tracking that we wish we could do? And I've learned along the way that we will always do more work. And we value our time at the bottom of the pile, right? The animals come first. The people that we're serving are right there also. Our volunteers, our staff, everybody else comes first. And we value the time that it takes us to do something at the bottom of that pile. And I really encourage folks to as they're thinking about that, what are we, where do we want to grow? Can we keep doing things the way that we're doing them and also reach our goals? And then I like to ask people to think about, does the system that we're looking at fit our needs today or today and tomorrow as we grow? And that's another important consideration because sometimes we want to add new programs. We know we're going to add new pieces as we, as we get bigger and have more resources then we want to make sure that that a tool could accommodate that, whether it's a tool that we're using that we've built through Excel or Google Docs or our own homegrown system or something that uh, we get from a provider. And then the third question is something that we all think about, which is what's the cost, right? The assumption is everyone has a tight budget. That is just a given. So it's really important for us to think about what the setup costs are for any software that we bring or we're thinking about. What are the ongoing costs? And how does that compare to what we are, what's it, what's it costing us now? Even if it's a free tool or, or something that we've already built in our staff time or our volunteer time. Those are great questions. Yeah. So three just very yeah. small questions, right? <laughs> the one thing that I used to always worry about in taking steps with new technology was how long is this going to stay with us? Are we going to lose our data? At the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, so we did paper. Then we were into Excel for a while. Then we went into FileMaker for oh, a, wow. long, yeah, sure. a long, long time. And that was a period where we skipped all the upgrades. So we stayed with the same thing for a long time. And that was because I was bound and determined to have one software package for everything. So I wanted my donors, adopters, surrenderers. I only wanted to type one name once. 
Yes. That was my thing. I was in charge of data entry as well as being in charge of fundraising and operations and everything. You know, it was in those early days when you're in charge of everything. If you do it all, you don't want to type Stan Smith 10 times. You right. just want to do it once. And so that's why I had gotten into FileMaker and I felt like, oh, well, I can design something that works for everything. And then we moved into other systems that tied in with the microchips and, and that kind of thing. And then we went to another sort of homegrown system with QuickBase back on my determination to be an all-in-one system because we were a CAD group too. And we found a lot of the software packages really weren't very friendly to CAD-only mm -hmm. organizations. There were so many fields we had to get rid of that only pertained to dogs and also like animal control services and all of that kind of stuff. So maybe using Shelter Love as an example, you know, how does the software work with our various niche type organizations and is it flexible? flexible? Or what would you recommend as an advisor, technology advisor to a group that may not be more of your traditional organization, but more niche or unique doing TNR, foster right. care, fundraising? I mean, a small organization, $100,000 a year, you know, what would you what would you recommend just sort of thinking outside of the box there? So that's a great question. Because like you said, as we grow, we have so many organizations now that are able to focus on one type of animal or one piece of animal welfare and not have to do everything necessarily. And so one of the things that I've learned as I've learned more about software specifically is that there's this concept of configurability versus customization. I'm going to get into the weeds here a little bit, but I think it'll be helpful. So configurability means that you can change something to fit your needs. It will flex, but the data structure stays the same. And what that means is if you're going to put something in, you can trust what you get out, right? We, we have probably all heard that garbage in, garbage out, right? When it comes to software. And so we don't want that because if you're going to take the time to put information in, you want to get usable information out. And customization is something that does allow folks to change that structure, that underlying data structure, and can, unless you have a really sophisticated data engineer or someone that's really great at data on your team, it can be a little more challenging to trust what gets spit out on the other end of the reporting. And so um, at Shelter Love, we do take the configurability route, and that's what allows us to serve a wide variety of customers. So we have organizations using us that are TNR focused or transfer focused, right? Not adoptions that they're just, they're really moving animals out through transfer all the way to the other end of the spectrum where there's folks that are doing eight to 10,000 adoptions a year. So that configurability really allows for that range of customers. And what that means really goes back to that first question that we started with in our three questions, which is what is most important to us as an organization. So if I'm talking to someone like you who really knows what you need from any sort of product, like I need to be able to get my information out if we switch or do something in the future, how, how would that happen? Or I have donors, I want to be able to track them. How does that work in your system or does it work in your system? Then we have all those conversations up front so we know what your priorities are. I would think that in the bigger picture, if we kind of go up to that 30,000 feet and look at technology as a industry, as animal welfare, that there is a ton of room for improvement there, right? I think of it in a similar vein to healthcare, where there's so many specialties and you have to have a system that allows for those specialties, but also a patient is moving from one place to another to another, and they don't want to write their name down 27 times when they have different appointments that here or there everywhere, right? The challenge with that, of course, is that it's really hard to be good at everything. 
So their specialties in fundraising, their specialties in accounting, their specialties in, in medical and tracking. What I've seen happening as an industry is that animal welfare leaders are getting together and talking about how we manage data as these big groups and how information can be shared more quickly and in the right way to protect privacy and the important ways that we need to protect privacy for both organizations and their customers and their donors, but also be able to share information when needed for transfers and other things that that can be seamless and digital. And so what we're trying to figure out now or trying to do is replicate and look at some of these other industries like healthcare and how they've done it and make that happen so that if there are two different systems, they can speak to each other, quote unquote, speak to each other in the right way, which makes it easier for you as the person using the software and also all the back end stuff works. There's the magic that happens there. I call it the magic. It's actually really smart engineers that figure all that out. But that's where I see us going as an industry. We can get there. It'll take some time, of course, but you're right. It's very important because the groups and our consumers need it. Customers don't care about the back end stuff. They just want to be able to adopt and interact with shelters and rescues and, and have it be easy for them. Today's episode is sponsored by Space Kitty Express, your one-stop shop for exotic cat drugs. Everyone's heard of catnip, but what about valerian root, tatarian honeysuckle, or silver vine? Space Kitty Express specializes in offering these hard-to-find catnip alternatives, both in their herbal form and stuffed into a variety of reusable toys. Their herbs are 100% pure, not like those quote-unquote catnip blends you might find in a pet store. Their tartarian honeysuckle wood is cut fresh and kept frozen to lock in its citrusy scent. Their silver vine exudes a mintiness that tingles the nostrils. Their organic valerian root is so musky that they've had to blend it with organic lemongrass so that human noses can tolerate it. Cats can definitely tell the difference between these quality herbs and that stale catnip from the big box store. Visit SpaceKittyExpress.com and watch videos from satisfied feline customers. Use coupon code COMMUNITYCATS, all one word, at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. That's SpaceKittyExpress.com with coupon code COMMUNITYCATS. Doesn't your cat deserve the best? Spoil them today at SpaceKittyExpress.com. <coughs> ProVetLogic, based in Scottsboro, Alabama, provides educational support and product solutions to professional pet care providers and pet parents throughout the country. As a licensed veterinary medical continuing education provider, ProVetLogic provides a variety of educational tools designed to help cat care providers create a cleaner and safer environment for both the cats in their care and the care providers. To learn more about ProVetLogic, please visit www.provetlogic.com or call 800-869-4789. Another question that always will come up too is expense. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't consider software because it's going to be just incredibly expensive. Is that true? No, it's, it's not true. So one of the good things about there being a lot of options available is that there's a wide range of choices for folks. And so I feel confident that if someone wants to find the right software, they're going to find something that fits their budget. And that's where when I'm talking with folks and giving advice, when I talk about cost, it's a, it's about the mechanics of the cost first. Is it per user, per station? Is it in the cloud? Is it annually or by month or how, what are those charges? Are there setup charges? 
sometimes software is free. And then there's a maybe a requirement to purchase certain products or something from that software provider to make up for that free cost. So it's just looking at the whole picture so that the consumer can be really informed on what their total cost is. And also balancing that against any time saved by using software versus doing things by hand or in their own system. And so that's the the first piece of what I always like to think about it, so you have to sort of go a level deeper, right? It's not just direct cost, but it's also what the indirect cost might be and what, and what you're paying now. That's the good news. Again, shelters and rescues of all sizes and all budgets be able to make it work. We always say here, we don't want to let costs get in the way of people using a tool that they think will promote their life-saving programs. So we're going to find a way to make it work. And, and I think that's something that folks should have in mind when they start looking is that there's going to be an option there for them. About a month ago, we had the online CAT conference and we had Chris Roy uh, do a presentation on uh, transport. Yes, Chris and, is great. Yeah, dubert.com. And he was very clear to mention that Shelter Love, I guess we say what, that speaks to the Dubert <laughs> software. Right, yes. <laughs> and so I think that's great that there's compatibility. I don't know if you have anything more to share on that, but it sounded pretty cool. I love what Chris is doing. And I think it's incredible what he's been able to build as a human being at his house, creating this tool and then building it to what it is today. It, he saved a lot of lives and made transport and life a lot easier for the folks on the ground. And that's really, he's just an incredible guy. I've been so impressed with him. You're right. At Shelter Love, we really try to, again, we're not going to try to be experts in transport because we have an expert out there and that's Chris. And so the ability to make this connection with Dubert allows folks that use those services to make the all the logistics easier so they can focus on the people and the animals. And for us, that's really what it's all about. Does uh, Shelter Love interact with any other software packages? Uh, we do. We want to give people choice around things like microchips, so we have auto uploads to the big microchip companies to make things easier so that folks don't have to always do that manually to our big adoption aggregators, PetFinder and Adopt-a-Pet and Rescue Groups, and as well as Dubert. And it's really our customers that drive that, that will tell us, hey, we really use X and we would love to see you connect with them. That's how we get our product feature upgrades. It's really customer driven, which is one thing that I, I love about Shelter Love. One of the benefits of just being a software company, just in quotation marks, because as I said, it takes enough work to make great software. <laughs> and that's our sole focus is a really hard job and and we love doing it, but we then are able to connect with other software that our customers recommend to make things easier for them rather than build it ourselves or trying to run a, a separate company. So, Are there any specific features of uh, Shelter Love that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, I'll tell you what our customers love because they're the ones out there using it every day. And number one, they love our medical tracking. It was built by a shelter veterinarian trained at Cornell who actually is a full-time shelter vet. She's Gone back, Dr. Tivas took a little time to to build this module and design it for with the shelter and rescue environment in mind, but is still living the operations of being in a high volume clinic, which people tell us they can really see and how easy it is to to use. And I would say that's the other, the second piece um, is that ease of use uh, that we get great feedback from our customers on. We recognize that we have a wide variety of volunteers and staff that use systems and track animals and help us out during the day. And so we want Shelter Love to be as intuitive and easy to use as any of the apps that we use on our own for our own home use, right? Nobody has to come and train us how to use email, although I kind of sometimes wish that somebody would come train me on some of these things. But 
um, I think that it's something that's intuitive and, and we get great feedback about that, that all types of people with all types of comfort level in technology are successfully able to use it. And then the third piece that folks love that's relevant for people who use, who do adoptions is that we allow, we have a process where customers can check out while they're at the shelter or the adoption event or wherever. They can check out and do all their adoption contract on the mobile phone. And customers love this. Adoption counselors love it because we're no longer having to print out 47 pieces of paper and having people sign them. And instead it can be all digital. And then when the person gets home and they can finally remember it. Now, what did that person tell me I was supposed to do or when that vaccine was was due? I don't remember because I was had my kitty cat in the carrier and my kids were running in four different directions. It's all really easily accessible to them. Uh, so that's been, uh, in addition to those other two pieces, uh, the mobile adoption feature, we get great feedback on. So if folks are interested in finding out more about um, Shelter Love or reaching out to you with any questions that they might have about making that critical leap into the realm of software, how would they find you? Yeah, I'd love to talk to people and I should uh, give them with the caveat that they should feel totally comfortable. I'm really fortunate. I've been given a lot of freedom here. Sometimes I recommend Shelter Love and sometimes not. If it's not the right fit, then that's absolutely okay. It's important really to have a resource to go to and just get real advice. And that's what I'm here for. Elena at shelterlove.com. Shelter Love is L-U-V. So that's important to know. You can find me on our website too, www.shelterlove.com. Uh, and usually at conferences as well. So we'll have a table at the HSUS Expo this year, and we'll be at Best Friends Conference as well in the summer. Elena, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just thank you. I know how hard it is when you're grinding every day, and I know how hard the folks listening are working, and I'm so appreciative of that work. And any way that I can help, I want to. Excellent. And I have to say, this show probably dovetails quite nicely with the show that I did previously a couple of months ago with Sarah Kent when we were talking about uh, Shelter Animals Count, where she's talking about the data on the what's getting spit out. And we're talking here about sort of the architecture that prepares that data so that then you can also review your performance every year or even every quarter. You're able to hopefully with the push of a button, get a snapshot of some of the work that you're doing and help you really understand what your organization is doing. And so I know that, you know, she's a fan of having software capture information. Some words that I've used also have been data hygiene, making sure you get your information in at a high quality level, because then the information that comes out is going to be high quality. But try not to feel overwhelmed by it. I have definitely felt overwhelmed by this whole topic. Yes. And just really try to persevere, ask questions, reach out to Elena. She'll help you feel not quite as overwhelmed. And um, definitely the technology is growing and expanding quickly. I also think that Maddie's Pet Forum may have some technology groups in there too. So that's another resource to reach out to for ideas, but just don't be shy. Feel free to ask a lot of questions. We're all starting to do things on our mobile phones now, so I think we are going to have to make a shift. I don't know, Lane, if you have a last thought on that. No, you said it perfectly. There's so many great resources, and I agree. Start small. You can always start small and grow from there. So just reach out and, and ask for help as needed, for sure. Elena, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. I'd love that. Thanks, Stacy. 
Join us for a webinar on March 23rd, 2019 at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Trapping Tips and Tricks presented by Neighborhood Cats. Drawing from almost 20 years of experience working with feral cats, the folks at Neighborhood Cats have gathered together their favorite ways of catching the wiliest of felines, whether it's putting in a clear rear door, using spam as bait, wrapping your trap with green garden netting, or training a cat to enter a trap, you're bound to learn something new that will improve your trapping success. Come prepared to share your secret tips and tricks too. After registering, you will receive a confirmation email containing information about joining the webinar. Please check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com and sign up today.